Good morning. I'm sorry. Oh, somebody, don't laugh. That means you're thinking it. I know you're probably thinking, you're probably thinking, man, I thought, I thought we were starting that series, man. And Truth be known, if you don't know this, last week, I spoke last week because Ronnie was sick, and uh, we found out you kind of last minute, so I only had a day or two to prepare. And uh, I got here Sunday morning, and Trey Yoder is our media director. He didn't know anything about I was preaching or anything. And I just like, hey, man, just throw, you know, get the verses. We'll get them on the screen, you know, and that'll be good enough. We'll, we'll just make do, and it'll be fine. So I preached last Sunday and had no idea that there was this incredible graphic behind me. And, uh, and it was, I mean, he did that in like, I don't know, like an hour, an hour before service or two minutes, an hour before service, something. And it was just so good that we were like, we don't want to waste it. I mean, it just goes off into the oblivion. You guys don't get to enjoy it. So that's why I'm preaching again. Uh, I'm just kidding. Ronnie's still sick. Uh, he just, man, he's, he's still sick. And so he, we, we made the decision kind of early on in the week that he was, still, he was still just having such a difficult time. And I said, man, it's good because I think I got more to say. And hey, surprise. Um, I said, I think I, got, I think I have more to say. I think I, think, I, think I have more to share. And uh, so I'm going to do a real quick recap, okay? So if you weren't here last week, um, we started talking about resolutions, you know, and we all have these great, big resolutions we like to make at the beginning of the year, these goals, these places we want to be, these people that we want to be, right? Shake your head yes at me. And so that's what we, we talked about that. And we, uh, through reading in the Bible, we read it in Joshua chapter 10, and we discovered that the most important thing we can do that will help us reach those goals because most of the time resolutions drift into oblivion is to win today's battle. Raise your hand if you remember that. Win today's battle. Good, you came back. That's a good thing. Win today's battle. We decided what we needed to do was we needed to back up from our resolutions, these big lofty goals that we have. We need to back up. We need to take a look at them. And we need to uh, look at them a little differently. And what we needed to do and what we talked about was we needed to look and decide, what is it that I can do today that will get me there? And we talked about setting those goals. So hopefully you, you had time to do that. And that was kind of what I challenged you to do was to go home, look at those resolutions you have, and see if there were little things you could do. For instance, y'all remember I needed to lose an Australian Shepherd, but probably more likely I could lose a Chihuahua. Y'all remember that? And the way to do that was not to just say, oh, I'm going to lose a bunch of weight this year. This is the year I get healthy. It's to look and say, you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start drinking water. Like that, that's how you back up. That's a battle that I can win today. And we talked about a lot more important things than just, you know, my weight. Um, but that was the general idea. I may have left something out, though. And, uh, and I did because I wanted to be encouraging, you know. You know, man. I wanted you to walk out of here with a smile on your face. And, and I wanted to be motivating, you know. I, didn't want, I just didn't want to, you know, kick you guys or anything. And so I wanted, I, wa- I wanted the feel of it to be that. So I left something out. And here it is. You know, battles are tough. I mean, like, they're difficult. Battles typically aren't easy. En route to our resolutions, these battles that we're talking about, they're not fun, okay? They're not enjoyable times of your life. They're just, they're just not. Otherwise, we would call them dances. It would be win today's dances, which I would be great at, by the way. 
But most of the time, it's just, I mean, battles aren't fun. And typically speaking, when we get into the year, we, you know, 2018, we're moving along. We've got our daily battles that we're going to win. I'm going to tell you what typically happens. Typically, you're going to get kicked in the teeth some. You're going to take a licking. And you're going to get discouraged. And I believe this week that I, that I, I spent some time with God and I discovered what oftentimes, why we become discouraged. Why we find ourselves frustrated, tired, over it. You ever said that? I'm over it. I'm done. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Now, in order to do that, I have to get into the Bible with you guys, okay? And we're going to talk about a guy, and this guy is no stranger to battles. And his name is Elijah. So if you want to, you can turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17. And uh, that's where we're going to start. But uh, to be honest with you, I've got a lot of his story to tell, Elijah's story to tell. And so I'm going to kind of do an overview, okay? This is just going to be like, I'm going to give you a timeline of events of Elijah's life, okay? So... First thing we discover in 1 Kings chapter 17 is Elijah was a man on a mission. Okay? He is a man on a mission. He is God's man. He is, he is a prophet for God is how he is described in the Bible. And I believe we can kind of break it down to two main things. Number one, uh, he, he had two main goals, resolutions if you will. Number one, Elijah wanted to be a man of God. Okay? He wanted to be God's man. He wanted to be God's spokesman. He wanted to listen to God. He wanted to go where God told him to go, and he wanted to do what God told him to do. So that was number one on Elijah's list. Number two, right behind that on Elijah's list was he wanted to turn the people of Israel back to God. So you need need to understand a little background right here, okay? First of all, what you have to understand is Israel at this point in time had turned away from God under the leadership of a man named King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, okay? They had turned away from God. Am I hearing something, or is that just me? Anybody hear that? Somebody put a radio in here to mess with me today? I'm hearing something, so there is something that's making noise right here, and it's it's not distracting me at all. Um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, Not really. Okay, we'll get back in it right here. All right, so... Here's the, here's the, here's the deal. Um, Elijah, where was I at? I don't even remember. Now, I'm so lost. King Ahab. Oh, yeah. I knew that was the wrong name. As soon as I started, I'm like, that's not who I was talking about. King Ahab and Jezebel had turned the people of Israel completely away from God. They were worshiping a, a false god called Baal. Okay? And actually, it's kind of a neat little factual factoid here. Is it says in the Bible that Ahab had angered God more than any king of Israel prior to him. So there's the, setting the bar high, okay? So he had angered God more than any other king before him. And so, so they had completely turned away from God. And what we find is the first thing on God's to-do list with Elijah is Elijah is supposed to issue a decree. This is basically to get uh, Ahab and the people of Israel's attention. And so what he does is he goes and, and Elijah uh, confronts him, uh, Ahab and he says, here's what's going to happen. You're not, there's not going to be any rain. There's not going to be any rain in Israel for three years until God says there will be rain through me. That's what's about to happen. And I don't know how this happens. I don't know if they're, you know, 
I mean, somebody says that to you, I don't know if they kind of laughed it off, you know. They were kind of like, okay, all right. But I think a few months went by. They were like, wow, what a coincidence. He said it would not rain, and it hasn't. And then a year went by. Then I think they started looking for Elijah. And then two years went by. And I'll be honest with you, after two years of no rain and complete drought and famine in the area, I believe Elijah was now the most wanted man in all of Israel. And then three years went by. Now, now everybody's an enemy, right? Everybody's looking for Elijah. And it says during this time that Elijah had to hide. And, it's, and this is really cool. And if you hadn't read these stories, you should go read these stories. But Elijah actually hid in the wilderness and was fed by ravens. Ravens literally brought him food and, creek, and, the, and he had a little branch of, of water he drank out of. And then after he left there and the creek dried up, he, because the famine was so bad, obviously, that he went and he went to a widow's home with her and her son. And there was just enough flour and just enough oil. And it stayed that way in the jars. And every time they made, him, they made bread every day and they would go back and there would be just enough stuff left. If you've ever read that story. Anybody ever heard that? Okay, so God provided for him during these three years. And finally, God, after three years, tells him, said, all right, man, now it's time to go back. And it's time for it to start raining again. But you need to go back and you need to talk to Ahab. So Elijah goes back and he talks to King Ahab. He meets King Ahab. And, you know, he gets, of course, I'm sure you know how it is. He runs to a guy and the guy gets him and takes him to King Ahab. And it says when they greeted one another, King Ahab was very upset, obviously. He said, you, you're the troublemaker. You're the man that's brought all this destruction, all this famine, and all this drought on our people. Obviously. And Elijah goes, no, it's you. You're the one that's done this. God wanted to get your attention through this. You see, you, you're the one who turned from God. You're the one that's supposed to be leading the people of Israel, yet you chose not to do that. You and your wife, and you started worshiping this other false God. That's what you did. So this is God's anger at you. He's trying to get your attention. And then I love this. And if you've never read the story, man, you should go read the story, man. I'm telling you, man. These three chapters, I'm telling you, you should go read them. But Elijah looks. He says, I got an idea. Let's have a little challenge. He said, here's what we're going to do. He said, you have 450 prophets of Baal. Now, there's only one of me left. I'm the only prophet of God left. He said, but you have 450 prophets of Baal. Here's what I want to do. Well, let's go up on a mountain, and we're going to have a little challenge. He said, let's get a, we'll get a couple bulls. You, they can build their altar. They can do their thing, and they can pray to their God. And then I'll pray to my God, and whoever... Whoever's God comes and puts fire and burns up the offering wins. Well, Ahab says, deal. So they go up and the people of Israel go with them and Ahab's there and the 450 prophets of Baal are there. And this is what it says in the Bible. It says that they began to pray. They, they built their offering. They put the, killed their bull. They did all that stuff. And they began to pray. And it says they were dancing. See, I got dancing in this sermon twice. Okay? It said they were dancing and praying. I don't know what it looked like. Okay? That's what they did. And it said they did that from morning until noon. Now at noon, this is why Elijah is the man and one of my personal favorites. At noon, Elijah starts heckling. Okay? Now, I love heckling. Okay? It's like something I just love to do. But all of a sudden, Elijah starts going, oh, man, he must be on vacation. Maybe he's using the restroom or something. Maybe y'all should yell louder. Maybe y'all should be dancing a little wilder. 
He'll hear you eventually just keep on going. And, man, they just kept on going. It said they got these 450 prophets. They got so wore out. Man, they started cutting themselves and bleeding and just, please, you know, come, bail, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Nothing happened. Elijah goes, hey, uh, my turn. Can I, can I go next? So Elijah goes up, and, of course, the altar for God had been torn down, and he, he rebuilds it and puts it back together, and they bring the bull over to sacrifice. And sacrifice, and man, Elijah steps up, and he, he prays this one very simple prayer. And I want to read it to you just because I think it's important, and it speaks to what his goal was, where he wanted to be. It's in chapter 18, verse 36. He says, at the usual time for offering, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed. And this is what he said. Now listen. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command, O Lord. Answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you are Lord, that you are God, and that you have brought them, listen, you have brought them back to yourself. Elijah's goal was for them to turn back to God. Now, does anybody know what happens? Because it's pretty cool. Man, fire fell. It consumed everything that was there. It consumed the entire offering. It consumed everything. Kind of a neat little fun fact, he had poured water all over it beforehand just to, just to prove that there was no trick. This was no, no magic trick. He had poured water all over the whole sacrifice. So when that fire fell, it completely dried up the water and burned everything that was there. Of course, now Elijah's got a little clout, right? Wouldn't you think? He's got a little say-so. And so he turns and he says, hey, these 450 prophets, they're liars. Kill them. Kill every one of them. And so they do, Ahab, they, they take them down in the valley, and it says they killed all 450 prophets of Baal. Things are looking pretty good, right? Things are going pretty awesome. It says in the Bible that Ahab goes back home and goes back to his wife, Jezebel, and he tells his wife, he says, hey, Jez, uh, in case you hadn't heard, uh, we had kind of an experience up on the mountain, and... Uh, Fire fell, blah, 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 and uh, we killed all the prophets of Baal. Jezebel loses her mind. Loses it. She's angry, and she sends a letter. She gets a messenger. She calls for a messenger and writes a letter. And I'm going to paraphrase the letter, but this letter is to go to Elijah. This is what she said. She said, you're a dead man. You, as surely as I'm here, you are a dead man. Now, I want to say something, okay? It's like a sport, you don't know this. Most powerful man in the world threatens your life. You should be scared. Okay? Most powerful woman in the world threatens your life. You should be petrified. Okay? I'm just telling tell you. Of course, I'm married to a strong woman. She don't make no empty threats. I promise you. Okay? And apparently, Elijah knew this. So, man, Elijah, and I don't want you to read this with me. This is chapter 19, verse 3, and this will be up on the screen. It said, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Bathsheba, a town in Judah, where, and he left his servant there. So he had a servant with him. He left him there, and then he went out alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. Now, I imagine this is not like, a, this is not like oh, he's out on a joyride, okay? This is, he's running for his life. It's important you know that. He's trying to get as much distance as possible between him and her. 
and anybody that she is in charge of or in control of. So this man is trying to get out of Dodge, is the expression. It says he sat down, and I'm sure he's exhausted. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and read that, and prayed that he might die. This is a quote for him, from him. I've had enough, Lord. Sit. I'm done. I'm not taking another step. Take my life. For I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. I'm a loser. I'm worthless. I'm useless to you now. Kill me now. Elijah goes to sleep following this prayer. It says he goes to sleep and he's so exhausted. I mean, he's, he's really kind of, I, I think kind of at death's door here is what, the way I'm understanding it. And it says that God sent an angel. And that angel fed Elijah and gave him water. And the angel did that a couple of times and he would wake him up and say, Elijah, you need to eat and you need to drink right there in the middle of the wilderness. And so he eats and drinks and, he's, and the angel basically says, you have a journey ahead of you. You have somewhere to go. So Elijah gets up after eating, after drinking. He's regained his strength, and he travels for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb, which is, this is what it means, the mountain of God. He was going to see somebody. Anybody want to guess who? So he gets there, and God immediately speaks to him. Man, I want you to hear this. I want you to pay attention. He says, this is God, this is, I mean, big moment, big moment, what's going to be said? God says, what are you doing here? Read this with me. Elijah's reply. I love it. He said, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left. I'm it. And now they're going to kill me too. They're going to try to kill me too. I love what God says to him right here. God says, hey, man, get out of this. He was in a cave, actually. He says, get out of this cave. And I want you to go out and I want you to stand on the mountainside. And I'm going to come. And we're going to talk in person. That's pretty awesome. So it says Elijah went out. And then it says that all of a sudden a storm, a windstorm picked up. And the wind started blowing like crazy. But it says God wasn't in the wind. And then all of a sudden it says the ground began to shake. And it, I mean, it began to split apart literally around Elijah. But God wasn't in the earthquake. And then it said a fire came and went past Elijah. And it says, but God wasn't in the fire. And so this, all of, this is just so cool, man. But all of these things, all of these, either the wind and the earthquake, they're all prefacing God getting there. And then it said there was a whisper, and it was God. Now, as soon as Elijah heard the whisper, he knew God is here. That was his entrance. So Elijah hits his knees right there, covers his head, and he has a conversation with God. And I want you to look at what God says. He says, what are you doing here? Same question. Isn't that just like God? Doesn't it kind of make you mad a little bit? 
the same question. What are you doing here? Why are you here, son? I just answer, read it with me. He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars and they've killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too, God. I want you to get this, guys, because God's not hard of hearing. He heard him the first time. I believe with all of my heart that he is trying to get Elijah to let this stuff out, to get this stuff off his chest, to bear all. He wants Elijah to say what's going on with him. So Elijah says it. Man, I've done everything. I've done my part. I've done this stuff. Nothing's happened. Nothing's changed. Da, 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 da. I'm all alone. I'm doomed. And God hears him and he says, I'm going to paraphrase what God answers, but he says, you're wrong. You're wrong. See, I've got more for us to do. And God immediately steps in to tell him the plan. All of a sudden, Elijah's thinking, Elijah's thinking this is over. He's saying, please kill me. And, and God's response to him is, okay, all right, here's the rest of the plan. And God tells him, said, I want you to go anoint this guy to be king over this part. And I want you to go anoint this guy, and he's going to be king over this part. And here's the plan. Those two guys, they're going to rid the world of anybody who worships Baal. That's what they're going to do. Then he looks at Elijah and said, I got something else. This is another part of the plan. I want you to go and I want you to anoint this guy. And he's gonna, his name is Elisha. And man, you two are going to be friends. He's going to become your apprentice. He's going to become your helper. You two are going to do incredible things together. And then he said, God says, one more thing. You need to understand this. He said, just so you know. There are 7,000 people in Israel right now who don't worship Baal. They worship me. So you need to know that. There's 7,000 people now who worship me. It says, upon hearing all this news, that Elijah, I just imagine him, you know, he gets up and he dusts himself off and he's thinking about it and he goes, okay. Got a renewed sense of purpose. And he leaves, and he goes to complete the task that God has set for him. So you ask me, you say, Tim, okay, what's the lesson? What is it that we're supposed to see in this? See, I believe we can see why Elijah got to the place he got. I believe we can see how he ended up wanting to die. Frustrated, exasperated, finished. If we want to make it to our goals, if we're, that's the thing, is we want to make it to these resolutions or whatever, if that's what we want to do, I believe we do have to win today's battles, but I think we have to win today's battles and not lose perspective. And don't lose perspective. Elijah had lost perspective. Lost perspective. I want you to look. Look at the things that he says. Look at specifically what Elijah says. He says, I've done my part. 
I mean, I've done everything I was supposed to do. You know, this was your plan, and I executed it. I executed it well. Nothing's changed. I haven't even made a dent. I haven't made one bit of difference. Is that not what he said? I haven't made one bit of difference. I might have made it worse. He looks, he says, look at at what he says. I'm all alone. It's just me. I got nobody to help me. I'm the last one. He looks, he says, I'm doomed. This this mission that I was on, everything that I was supposed to do, it's a complete and utter failure. It's not going to be long. They're going to find me. They're going to kill me. He felt unprotected. Now, I want you to think about that because when we read this story, we go through the story. Man, if you hadn't read these three chapters, I cannot emphasize to you how much you should read them. But when we look at that, we go, my goodness, you got fed by ravens. My goodness. You watch flour and oil last for like ever in the bottom of a jar. We go, my goodness, Elijah, look what you got to be a part of. Now, you just didn't see that happen. You facilitated that fireball falling from the sky and consuming that. So that's what we see when we look at it, right? Am I right? But when Elijah looked at his situation, he looked at it and he said, this is a mess. I've done nothing. I haven't, I haven't done, I haven't done anything. I'm all by myself. This thing is over. It's finished. He was completely discouraged. He didn't see what was happening. He didn't know. And if you look at how God responds to him, God responds to him by showing him, by changing his perspective. God says, wait a second. Wait a second. There's more to do. We're not done. That wasn't the whole plan. There's more things that we can be doing. There's more steps to take. For instance, here's what I want you to do. God looks at him and says, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're not alone. There's 7,000 people back in Israel who now believe because of you. God said, alone? I'm here. You're not unprotected. I've protected you this whole time. Truth be known, so often in our battles, we lose perspective. That person you want to be, where you think your goals, where you're headed to, what you want to do when you're fighting all those battles to try to get you there, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. If you're not careful, you're going to lose perspective and you're going to become extremely discouraged. You're going to be exasperated, frustrated, finished. Because I want to tell you what you'll tell yourself. You'll tell yourself that you're not making a difference. You'll tell yourself that nothing's changed. You'll tell yourself that you're all alone. You'll tell yourself that it was doomed to fail from the very beginning. 
Raise your hand if you've ever said those things to yourself, real quick, just so we can all agree. Okay. I'm telling you, you can win today's battle, but I guarantee you one thing, you better not lose perspective. Because you're not alone. You are making a difference. Things are changing around you, I'm telling you. If you're doing those things, if you're headed, if you're winning today's battles, I'm telling you, you are. And I want to tell you what the difference is. You know what the difference is? The difference is who you listen to. That's what the difference is. It's all about who you listen to. Can I say something? You're all a bunch of negative people. Okay? Now, don't take offense to that. You may consider yourself an optimist. If you consider yourself an optimist, all that really means is it just takes you longer to get negative. Okay? <laughs> Think about that one for a minute. That'll keep you up at night. I'm telling you, you are. And there's a reason. You know, we, we like to fuss about the news. Oh, they put this on, and it's, you know, it's always negative. The news is so negative. There's a reason, guys. It's because we'll watch it. Because we're just negative. And I'm going to tell you something. In your own mind, and you're not the only voice in your own mind, but I'm telling you, there are voices, and they will speak to you, and they will say, you're nothing. You're useless. You're not making a difference. You're not changing anything. Look at yourself. You're all alone. Nobody's even noticing what you're doing. You, it, it, the, the, those voices are going to say that to you. I'm telling you, it's all who you talk about. You want to know how you keep perspective? This is the application of this message. You want to know how you keep perspective? You talk to God. That's what you do. You go to Him. You air it out, man. If that's where you're headed, if you're headed down that road, air it out. Tell Him what you're feeling. Tell Him what you're going through. Tell Him how you're struggling. Get all the feels out. And I'm going to tell you to do something else. Listen. Because who you're listening to is who you're going to believe. And I'm telling you, God knows the plan. He knows what you're going through. And he's there in it. And he sees the difference you're making. And he will tell you. He will tell you that. And he will tell you that you are protected. And he will show you all of the things that are good. But if you listen to yourself, I'm telling you, you're going to be in a world of negative I tell you a story. Last week, my personal story was a farming story, so I felt it was only right that this week's be the same way. Now, last week's story, I was the young young fella on the farm, uh, but uh, this is now me as an older guy. I was about I don't know I don't even know our age difference, man. But this story is about Jonathan Hodge. If you don't know this, Jonathan Hodge started working on the farm with me at about sixteen years old, and. Uh, and so Jonathan started working with us. This is Ronnie's boy. And, uh, and we were working on the farm. And, you know, some days on the farm are just hard. And they're not very good days. And we had this one job at the farm that we all loathed. Okay? And this, and this is the job. We have a 500-yard-long creek on the farm. It has two banks. Once a year, we have to weed eat slash cut down all of the stuff on both of those banks. Okay? Now, we do that once a year, so what does that tell you? Okay? It's this. All right? It's ugly. It's this. I mean, it's not a good job. And we always choose, for some reason, to do it in the heat of summer when our boss tells us to. And so, there we go. We'd go down there and do it. And I'd, I had done it a couple of years or whatever, and Jonathan comes on, and we do it. And, and so, this was his first year, and we started doing it together. And then, one day, I got called off. Now, let me tell you the thing. I got called off to get on the tractor. <laughs> 
And, uh, and so Jonathan was having to do a fair portion of this creek by himself. Now, he was doing the, the bank that faces the morning sun. Okay? And if you don't know anything about banks that faces the morning sun, they are normally rot full of yellow jackets. Okay, so this bank in particular, there was not a question of if you got stung. It was when and how many times. And so we would get stung dozens of times, I mean, over the course of Weedness Bank. So I'll never forget, I'm sitting on the tractor, and we had been both been working on the creek some that week. We had both been stung quite a bit. And uh, the, the hard part about it is, is that once you start to get stung, everything's a yellow jacket, you know? Like every grasshopper. You know, every blade of grass like touches your face. You're like, oh, God, what? You know. And, uh, you know. And so I'm on the tractor, and I'm looking, I'm looking down the hill. I'm just riding around, you know. I was probably just sitting in air conditioning joint. And uh, all of a sudden, I saw Jonathan. You know, I mean, the move. And he's running across the field. And, and there, this has forever been, we've, we've called this, uh, and it's, an, it's, a, it's now an event. It's, a, it's an, a current event, or not a current event, what do you call it? A uh, historical event. It's called the weed eater throw. Jonathan is running. He takes the strap off the weed eater. He takes a spin move and flings the weed eater out through the field. Okay? Weed eater's like, rolls off. Jonathan runs, and he gets way out, and this is nothing but pastures. I mean, this is all by himself. It's, I mean, it's a little dot out there. He runs, he gets out there, and he sits down. I'm going to do it. He crisscrosses applesauces this beast, okay? He puts his elbows on his knees and his fists in his eyes, and he doesn't move. Doesn't move. 30 minutes tick by. I'm checking my clock, and I'm going, oh, God. You know, I kind of was foreman in this deal, you know, and so I'm like, I want to go talk to him, you know. He ain't moved. Like, I don't mean, like, he ain't leaning back. It's, it's 95 degrees. He is fist in eyeballs, done. So finally, I'm like, well, I'm going to ride down there and talk to him. So I pull down, and I, and I know, I know the deal. I know, what we're, well, I know what's about to happen. I know the talk we're about to have. So I pull down, I cut the tractor off. He don't even look up, fist in eyeballs. I said, uh, hey, man, what are you doing? Nothing. Don't even look up. He just sits there. Mad teenage boy. I said, yeah, man. What are you doing? And buddy, he let the floodgates roll. Okay? Pulls his fist out of his eyes. He looks up at me. He is tears. I mean, he's crying. I mean, he's, I'm sorry, John, but you worry. And, and, look, and, and look, that don't make him less of a man. I'm telling you, this job was a tough job. He's upset, and boy, he just, he committed. This is the, dude, I, I, I can't quote none of it, okay? It's just not appropriate. But he was very upset. He was like, it's the stupidest job it's ever been done. Getting stoned by Yellow Jackson. I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not, I'm done. This is it. And I knew, like, this was like, he was quitting. He was done, wasn't he? You were, he was like, he was like, I'm just sitting here, and then I'm going to walk to the truck. Like, until, you know, that, he was done. I looked at old John, I said, man, I said, you know, you've done a good job. You've made a long ways. I said, but this, we can get this done. You've made a difference. You're halfway there. I'll come off the tractor. I got a plan. I'll come off the tractor. Well, I'll get on a weed eater, and we will hit this thing, and we will get it done. And next week, it won't be our job. 
We'll have a whole year before we got to do this thing again. I'll never forget, man, watching him. I was, it was, I was like a proud daddy. He wasn't my son, but I was like a proud daddy. I mean, it, it took, he had to muster it up. I mean, he did. And he got himself together, and he goes, okay. And I got me a weed eater, and he got a weed eater, and we went over there, and we knocked a sucker out, didn't we? And we did it every year after that, too. We had a good talk. I'm telling you, in route to your dreams and your resolutions and your goals, you're going to get stung. You just are. And it's not fun, and battles aren't, you know, as glorious as sometimes we like to act like they are, especially from the platform. I'm telling you, don't lose perspective. You guys are amazing people. You are making a difference, and you're definitely not alone. And I think that y'all are going to win a whole lot of battles. Can I pray for you? Here we go. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for allowing us all to be here together this morning. I thank you for each and every person that's here. And just, you know, and, and honestly, God, for the opportunity to, have, to, to be able to speak to them. You know, and, and I know that it's with Ronnie sick and everything, but it's really been good, and it's been good for me. And, and uh, thank you for giving me the, the words. And uh, thank you for giving me a group of people. Man, they've been fun to talk to. They've listened to uh, God, I do pray this, that I know they've backed up now and we've looked at, you know, the daily battles that we can win. God, I pray that you help them win it. But God, in the course of that, as we get deeper into the year and things get a little bit harder, or maybe we start to take a few hits, you know, things, some things don't go our way. God, just remind us not to lose perspective. Help us to keep on moving, to keep on moving forward and to trust you and the trust that you have a plan, even if we were out of options. Help us to believe that you're there and you're going to protect us even if we feel like we're under attack. And God, I, I do pray that we will see the difference we're making. We will see, you know, whatever it may be, the things ticking off. You know, the uh, who we are changing. Father, thank you so much again, and, and I just pray that you be with everyone here. Hope they have a great Sunday, and keep, you know, the people that are sick, I want to do that too, man. We have a lot of family members and a lot of people that are sick that, that are struggling. I pray that we just, man, God, just put your hand on this county, begin to heal these people, heal our friends, heal our, heal our family members, and, um, you know, just uh, help us to get on into spring here. You're a great God, and I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so much for being here.